For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, Thunder fans? It's your boy, Dylan, coming to you with an ad from our sponsor. We are part of the Believe Podcast Network, and so we are coming at you with our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your bet betting needs and sports info find all the latest sports developments including updated odds on the nba and nhl playoffs major league baseball fights and even next season's nfl futures and don't forget this weekend as the run to the roses is on at the kentucky derby you know my my neck of the woods in kentucky um bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite vegas casino and poker games it's super easy to get started so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use promo code b-l-e-a-v that is all capital letters b-l-e-a-v or believe or believe (laughs) to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts enjoy the pod And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast, part of the Blee, eh, not Believe, Believe Podcast Network. First time I said that in the intro, so I got to get used to that. Uh, I'm your host, Dylan Hunsinger at Thunder Chats, and we are in draft coverage, man. We are still in the thick of it. I'm joined by two awesome people here. First, we've got my man in Texas, Maddie Moles. Maddie, how are you, sir? I'm literally melting away here in San Antonio. It's ridiculous. The weather here has been insane. We had two two days last weekend, over 100 degrees, and we're in the high 90s all week at the, you know, like pretty much for most of the day. So thank you, God, for AC and running water because, like, I do not know what the heck I would do down here if I didn't. So bad that I'm not even drinking alcohol tonight Man, on the pod. I, this, is, this is water, and I'm, I can't get enough of it. There you go. That is something. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into it, you know, it's it's not that hot in Kentucky right now. It was like 87 today, but like heat index felt like 95 degrees. And my truck doesn't have air conditioning right now. So like as long as I'm moving, I'm fine. But as soon as I get stopped, man, like it's like instantaneous. I'm just like drenched in sweat. So I, I sympathize with you. But hey, we're not here to talk about sweat or weather, man. We're here to dive into draft coverage. And to do that, Joining us today is a man that hails from the land of House Muscala. He is the second of three Tylers we will have on our podcast in the span of two weeks. With the most 
with the most recent being his co-host and compatriot for the No Ceilings Collective and the No Ceilings Podcast. He's a contributor for the hashtag basketball.com as well as co-host for their podcast. He's a T-Wolves fan and he is a contributor for Canis Hoopus for SB Nation. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Johnny Davis apologist and the Gabriella Perseda enthusiast, Tyler Metcalf. Look of an intro. Good Lord. Um, you, you, you really sold it there. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, th- thrilled to be on with you guys. Really excited to uh, talk some Thunder basketball. Uh, since we're on weather, um, as someone who recently moved away from Houston, I've been bragging about how I don't have to deal with 95 to 110 degree weather every day. And now I get hit with a tornado. So we're, we're battling the elements today, fellas. <laughs> there you go. It's man. not something, it's something else. So <laughs> exactly. you can't get away from it. Yeah, we're the top of Thunder podcast, but it's not Thunder basketball. It's, it's Thunder weather. Like, this is the weather segment. But, no, man, yeah, the intro, I'm surprised the guy's getting prepared for that. That's kind of it's kind of our calling card, man. We like to, you know, kind of guess the guess up, get them, you know, feeling loose, feeling comfortable uh, before we dive into the topics. But, like I said, man, we're excited to have you on. We're excited to dive into the draft. But whenever we have a guest on, we like to try to ask a few background questions just to kind of, you know, Get them comfortable, but also give, you know, a little background information on for our listeners, you know, and how you got into this space. So, you know, obviously you're a draft evaluator being part of the no ceiling. So how did you get into uh, talent evaluating for the draft? And it, the, the drafts, whether NBA or NFL, were just is always an event that I was really interested in because the teams I've historically rooted for have always kind of sucked. So they've always been you know, the biggest event of the year for my teams. Um, so, you know, n- knowing the top guys, who, who to like, who not to like, um, and then getting it all wrong has always been part of basically my entire yes. sports fandom. Um, and, you know, going all through college, I would keep my own boards and evals and stuff just to myself. And then I just one day I was like, why not try to write about it? Um, and then kind of just hopped on board with uh, hashtag basketball and started doing some draft and Timberwolves coverage for them. And then that's kind of just grown and branched out into um, being more involved with Canis Hoopus and starting the No Ceilings uh, group. And yeah, we, we've just kind of hit the ground running and it's just always been something I really enjoy. I, I, I like looking at the nuances and breaking things down and focusing more on you know, the, the the journey and the path of who guys are as players, where they come from, and not necessarily, you know, the specific end result of a play or something, but what were the steps that went into it? Why did that guy get that shot he did? What was he looking for when he made that pass? Just, just the little stuff like that I've always enjoyed and found, you know, the really entertaining um, aspect about the sport and, a way to differentiate teams and players and stuff like that. I like it, man. Now, uh, so you've been writing for hashtag basketball for what, like four or five years, something like that. Uh, probably a little longer, maybe like six. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, full disclosure, like I do with all of our guests, I creep on your LinkedIn to try to get some information for the intro. So that, that's how I know that, but yeah, man, you know, talking about no ceilings, you know, obviously we're we're big fans of no ceilings. You know, a- anytime I get a chance to, like, hype them up, like, you know, podcast written for them, um, the videos on YouTube, like, I mean, all of it's top notch. I really think you guys are going places. 
And, you know, again, if you're not subscribed to No Ceilings, like, what the frick are you doing? It's free. It's awesome. Like, go do it now. Um, but, you know, how did you get caught up in the whirlwind of it? Because, you know, we, we talked to Rucker and how he kind of started it. Like, I guess he's like, you know, sort of the founder of it. But like, you know, how, how did you get like ripped into this? Um, so I, I kind of done work with Corey on the side, um, whether it's hopping on his podcast a couple times or doing um, some written articles with um, the, the the magazine, the Hardwood Herald magazine that he pumped out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we kind of just coincidentally met maybe two years, two, three years ago, just doing um, a joint mock draft um, on a podcast. And since then, you know, we started following each other and we'd interact with basketball takes and questions and stuff like that. And the same just kind of happened with Rucker. We just, it kind of turned into a bunch of guys who had just interacted on Twitter or on podcasts or video work over the years. And Rucker and Corey kind of got together about and formed that idea of what no ceilings could be and what we're trying to make it. And they just kind of added piece by piece. So I, you know, I, I was lucky enough that they thought of me um, was immediately on board when Corey threw out the question to me, if I wanted to hop on and it's been an absolute blast and the, the early support has been, you know, overwhelming. Sounds a lot like how uh, topic thunder got started. Uh, very organically on Twitter and just interacting with each other. And then you build a camaraderie there and then you just like, well, instead of you doing you and me doing me, like let, let's do a we thing and figure it out and be a unit. Uh, so yeah. that, that was in the DNA. We, a unit kind of got away from that a little bit uh, with Dylan and Alex, like really man in, man in the show. But I think we're getting back to that. That That's really cool to see how like, some of these guys, like you, have you met all of them in, in real life or no? I, so only Rucker and Albert have, I believe, or a couple of people have met um, in person, Rucker and Albert, Albert and Corey and Corey and Nathan, I believe are the only ones um, who have kind of met in person. Cause um, we, we have a couple guys out on East coast, a couple out West coast, but uh, the plan is to get most of us to summer league um, this year. And, and, and you know, really hit it off yeah we may have one of our own out there too well don't be shy (laughs) there you go yeah no i mean it's the same with us you know like moles was saying uh you know we started with five guys and then we added uh two more from twitter like you know when we were trying to grow and expand and then we added another so you know we we have about eight people in the top of thunder family right now but uh, same deal you know we've got some of the east coast we got some central and then we even got somebody on the west coast so uh, a lot of similarities between uh, no ceilings and top of thunder. I'm seeing why we why we drive so well. So, uh, last question before we dive into the draft stuff, man. You know, we mentioned you live in Minnesota. We mentioned that you write for Canisupis, which is uh, the SB Nation Timberwolves site. So, are, I said you're a Timberwolves fan. I shouldn't have assumed. Are are you a Timberwolves fan? Uh yes, but it it, it came to me later in life. Um, So originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So grew up with those Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson, Sam Cassell teams. And then they traded Ray Allen uh, to Seattle and they ripped my heart out. Um, And so, you know, I was like eight or nine at the time. So I recklessly pivoted to the Pistons um, with a couple down years until they won the championship with my favorite team of all time with Chauncey and Rip and, you know, 
Ben and Sheed and mm-hmm. Tayshon. Um, and then just kind of went, when I went to school up here at Minnesota, um, I just kind of ingratiated myself with the, the, the local fan base. Um, so you know, a, a bit of team hopping, I still have a real special place in my heart for the Pistons and, you know, that kind of dubbed them my, my Eastern conference team, I guess at this point and s- still root for the bucks in the playoffs. Cause just a lot of hometown friends who, yep. who care deeply. Um, so it's cool to see, to see them win the championship and everything. But, you know, I, I don't think it's technically bandwagon hopping since they all just kind of sucked when I jumped to them. <laughs> um, I, I, I probably need to rethink my strategies for picking teams I root for, but you know, I am who I am. Well, hey, man, you know, the Timberwolves, they, they have one of their best seasons in, like, recent memory here recently. So, obviously, it didn't end, you know, how they wanted it to end, you know, with a lot of promise there early in the Grizzlies series. But, like, you know, how did you feel about the season and, you know, kind of looking forward? And th- this was easily the most enjoyable season since maybe Rubio Love or probably even KG. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, they, they really should have won that series against the Grizzlies like five different times, but getting outscored by like 70 points in the fourth quarter is an ideal and not, not a good formula for winning. So I, I think they're on a really good track. Anthony Edwards is the real deal. Um, I know Cat has his shortcomings, but the, the leap he took defensively this year was really important. Um, and the offense is obvious um if they they just really need to find a power forward and someone who can consistently rebound and kind of protect the rim jared vanderbilt had a heck of a year and i absolutely adore him and just like the motor he plays with but adding a bit of strength and some more consistent rebounding down there um is going to be super important so it, it was a good year um taking that series to six was really important it kind of sucks they lost the way they did because they could have easily won it, but the whole season put together, you know, they s- destroyed their over under win total um, from the beginning of the year. And they took the team with the second best record in the league down to the wire. So it, it was a really fun year and really promising going forward. Yep. So uh, comparing and contrasting, like things are looking up now for Minnesota. Um you know, they're, they're trending in the right direction. Hopefully they, they keep D and cat, uh, next year, they don't do anything crazy and they just add to it. But looking at that, right. A lot of, uh, a lot of pain and suffering went into getting cat and then a lot of pain and suffering went into getting ant. And it looks like ants going to be that guy, that foundational piece. Yeah. He may even be the franchise cornerstone of that team looking at it. Yeah. And being, it's- <laughs> He's oh, definitely the fan favorite. You know, he's definitely the fan favorite right now. Um, that that that's for sure. And it, it's impossible to find anyone who just who has a bad thing to say about him. Mm-hmm. And he's a media favorite too. The guy's got all kinds of uh, anecdotes and one-liners. So looking at that and all that pain that you guys went through, and you see the result there. Putting on this is an Oklahoma City Thunder centric podcast. What do you think about OKC's tank, if you will? or um, shift to player development, if you will. You could go that, that route Wait, if you want to say shift. it that way. <laughs> right. Um, and what do you think about, you know, the, the core that we have moving forward, potentially like going into this draft and then maybe even 2023 
with Victor Wambanyama and Scoot Henderson. Yeah, I know it, it's it's tough because you you know you you always want your teams to win. You want success. It's better to root for that than just constant losing. And I, I know the Thunder haven't been constantly losing. They're in the playoffs with that Chris Paul team just a couple of years ago, but people seem to forget that a lot. Thank you for acknowledging that. <laughs> I, I, like the, the the Thunder haven't been doing this for ten years. It's been like three. It's been aggressive, but it hasn't been that long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I do think the kind of end goal is to get scoot or victor out of next year um and that's tough because you're compiling all these draft assets you have an absolute stud in shea um i think giddy is on that path i think he's really good but there are still a lot of holes that need to be plugged um and you know given that they're they're in okc it's gonna have to come through draft or trade probably so they're, they're compiling the assets to trade, obviously, but now it's, are you going to get lucky in the draft? Are you going to get lucky with those odds and be able to get one of those? <laughs> there we go. And get one of those absolute franchise cornerstones, which is, you know, it's obviously a lot hard, or a lot easier said than done. Um, so I, I think they're taking the right approach. And I'm, my guess would be that, Presti wants one of he expects to hit on one of these franchise cornerstones, whether this year or next year, and then use his other 8 billion picks to kind of trade for guys who are in a bad situation wanting out and then build a young contender pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, you you talked about Shay, you you mentioned that he's a stud. We appreciate that. You know, that's music to our ears. Anytime you can gas up Shay, but you know, kind of, transitioning into draft and you know talking about Shea Giddy and you know last year draft class like what was your I guess uh, evaluation going into the draft for some of those players uh, compared to what you know they are now I guess yeah and I, I had Giddy as like a top seven guy um, in last year's draft I had Trey Mann at five overall so I adored that nice um, I'm the biggest Trey Mann fan you'll find I, I'm pretty sure that I, I enjoy his game more than his mother does. I, uh, <laughs> I, love it. I, I, I think the guard talent that the Thunder have is really, really promising and get, Giddy hit the ground running and was a stud basically from go. Um, I, I think the playmaking at his size is Lamelo esque. It's the, the question with him is how is he going to figure out how to score consistently? And if mm-hmm. he can do that, that's when his game takes another leap because if defenders can just go under every single screen on him um, for his entire career, he becomes really limited and he obviously doesn't have to be Steph Curry shooting, but he's got to make defenders respect it enough where every now and then they go over the screen and now they're on a five on four mismatch and he's carving them apart because the, the creativity, the accuracy um, of his playmaking, it's absurd. And the fact that he was doing it immediately, um, I think is really, really exciting for Thunder fans. So Let me, uh, hold, hold on real quick, Moles. I just want to ask him this because, you know, this is a question that, like, it, it's it's caused a lot of discourse on Twitter. We've talked about it on the podcast. Like, where would you rank right now Josh Giddy in terms of his passing in the league? Ooh. Um, for sure, top 10. Um, I, 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 think it, I think it's LaMelo-esque. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think LaMelo opens up a little more of it, a little more playmaking opportunities because of how the shot has come around a lot yeah. quicker than I thought it would. So I, I think that makes life a little easier for him, but I, I definitely think he's in that realm and kind of on the path to being one of these elite playmakers in the league. Yeah. I, I had I, I had said top 10. There's some guys that kind of argue top five. I'm like, you know, it's kind of hard to put a rookie, you know, like an 18-year-old rookie there at that point. But, yeah, I, I'm with it. Go ahead, Moles. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. That's that's great. And then I'll talk about the other guy uh, that we got in the first round there. Um, you said Trey Mann, fifth overall. I know you're, you know, no ceilings. But what what is his ceiling as far as a player comp? And is – is he on that trajectory that you thought he would be uh, as, you know, going through the draft evaluation process? Um, yes. Yeah, so I, I was so high on him coming out because the, the ease that he created space, the outside shooting, it, it was all incredible. Um, and he was doing that in college and consistently. Um, so, you know, I, I really bought into that right away. Um and I know he always got knocked for not being much of a playmaker, but the pick and roll games that he had, that he ran the two man games, they were really impressive in college. And I, I think the way that he's translated and kind of found a footing in his first year, it, it was even a little better than I anticipated right away. Um, I, I, I know everyone gets when, when we see rankings and after two months, we love to indict previous rankings when a guy doesn't really show up but it's like these are long-term plans um so you know i having for me having trey at five that was long-term career stuff who he really reminded me of um was like jamal murray and the the ability for him his pull-up game the the two-man game that he would run with Jokic. um it was all really impressive he's probably not gonna give you a ton defensively but with his size, there's, you know, at least upside to be not a complete negative, but the pull-up shooting, the two-man game passing, the ability to make just like simple reads that were effective and led to the proper basket. It, it, it was just really easy for me to buy in on him. Um, just m- much, much higher than pretty much the rest of the world. I got you, man. Yeah. I, yeah, the, the biggest thing, like, you know, that we saw from Trey Mann, even as he kind of struggled to catch his footing um, in the summer league, was just, like, the amount of space he created. Like, uh, it, you know, it's crazy. People, like, take the screenshots of, like, the free frame of, like, how far, like, his knee's literally touching the ground when he does the snatch back dribble. Like, it's it's insane, like, you know, how much space he's able to create. Um, a, a player comp that I've kind of been throwing around for Trey Mann is and I kind of want to get your opinion on this. Um, is Anthony Simons just because like I, I feel like their game's really similar in the way that they're able to get buckets, create space, uh, you know, kind of a three level scorer. Um, they have similar measurables, and uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, just kind of want to get your opinion on that. Yeah, I, I don't hate that at all. Um, I think the way they get a lot of their shots on the perimeter kind of mirrors each other. Um, I, th- I think Simons shows off a little more of that vertical pop a little more consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, Trey allegedly has that from his, you know, o- o- open gym workout videos and stuff where his eyes are at the rim, but I, I don't think we've seen a ton of that in game yet. So not sure quite how functional that athleticism is, but apparently it's there. Um, but the, the way they get into their jumpers and kind of operate with the ball in their hands, I, I definitely think there's 
you know, a, a lot of similarities there. I like it. I like it. Yeah, we 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 saw very early on. He, I think he caught a body with Wayne Ellington, and he, he dunked on somebody else too. But after that, it was like the gates were open for his three point shot, and that's yeah. when you started seeing you know six threes in a quarter and stuff like that. So. All right, man. You know, enough about the past. Let's dive into the future, man. The draft. Like, this is this is what you've been pouring your heart and soul into these last few months. And so, like, I've asked every guest this question to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, the farthest that our pick can fall is number eight. So, I'm just going to ask you, with as little or as much context as you want to give, uh, what's your top eight big board look like? Uh, my top you, – you, you want me to just run down one to eight? Yeah, that's fine. All right. All uh... right. Chet, Jabari, Paolo, uh, Johnny Davis, Jaden Ivey, Shaden Sharp, Keegan Murray, Malachi Branham. Okay, so Rucker told me that you were huge on Davis, as I included in the intro. You've got him at four on your big board. Talk about it, man. Why Why does, Why does? is he so far up on your big board? Um, because there's really nothing he can't do. Um, I, I, I know people are going to point to the, the three-point percentage, but when you – his situation was very – Kate Cunningham-esque, where no one else on that team could shoot, uh, no one else on that team moved off ball, and he was the alpha and omega for that team. <laughs> he was also a bench role player the year before, so he's proven that he can play basically whatever role he wants. And if you go back to his FIBA tape um, before this last year started, you know he he was a good player. Like he wasn't this usage rate monster um, the entire time. But he just knows how to play a variety of roles. He's probably the most physical scoring guard in this draft, um, really knows how to get to his spots, really good with the angles at the rim, um, will occasionally dunk on guys like we saw. I mean, he caught a body in that or a couple in that Indiana mm-hmm. game. Um, I think he's a really good passer. I know the assist numbers don't necessarily show that, but to get an assist, you have to have someone making the shot and no one else on Wisconsin could do that. Um, well, let's see. Uh, I, I think he's got really good touch with both hands on floaters and at the rim. The The mid-range game, I think, is going to translate really seamlessly and it's almost even going to be easier for him with better spacing. Um, and then defensively, the, the dude just never takes a playoff. I, I, he will get beat on back cuts occasionally. I have some gripes with his on-ball footwork, but his screen navigation, his motor, his off-ball ability to deny um, passing lanes and jump passing lanes and just avoid screens and follow his man through screens, it's all just really impressive. So I, I get that Ford is probably, well, I know it's a lot higher than everyone else has him, mm-hmm. but if I just need a guy to go out there and win me a game, I'm, you know, he, he's definitely towards the top of that list because he's going to do whatever his coaching staff asked him to do, whatever his team needs him to do. And that work rate, that motor, um, that level of competitiveness and leadership, it, it's really hard to pass on. So go into the top of your board as somebody who also has Chet, uh, Jabari and Paolo in that order at the top of mine, um, that's your overall big board, but looking through the lens of OKC, which of those guys do you think fits the best with what we have right now? I, I would probably just keep it in that same order. Um, right. I, I, I just, I, I think Chet is, has all the tools to be special. Um, you know, theoretically Paulo should 
probably be the runaway number one overall prospect in this draft, but the amount of plays that he takes off really bothers me. Um, the defense mainly off ball, I think is really concerning coming into the year. I was hoping that we would get some signs of, okay, is this a guy that you can play as a small ball five and that he disproved that really quickly. Um, I, I think the the mid-range scoring and playmaking is going to be awesome from him. Um, but he, he just coasts a lot. And from your main guy, from your franchise cornerstone, you can't really have that. Um, I, I think Jabari would be an awesome fit with the Thunder. I love his defense. The outside shooting is obviously absurd, with especially with those mechanics, that release point. But the the two-way impact the consistency and upside of chet i I think is way too hard to pass on follow up on uh on the palo defensive situation Mm -hmm. how much of that do you think is on the individual and how much do you think of that is like scheme and funneling everything to the actual center to to mark williams yeah that's that's been really hard to figure out because last summer when i was just going through high school tape on these guys just to get you know, ready for the season. I saw a lot of the coasting from Paolo where he's taking plays off. And, but then, you know, it's, I'm looking at the competition and he's got 50 pounds and a foot on all these kids and they're up by 40. So it's like, okay, whatever. He's just out there trying ridiculous stuff and just kind of going through the motions because this game's over. Um, But then we saw that a lot at Duke too. So it's like, okay. But then, then thinking back these past couple of years, trying to think of defenders who actually or players who actually improved as defenders at Duke. And I couldn't really come up with any. So it, it, it's tough because they, there's definitely a lot of validity behind, um, you know, Oh, they were just funneling stuff to Mark Williams. Who's a player I absolutely adore. Or, or is it Mark Williams was just covering up a lot of their perimeter inefficiencies. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, if we, if we transition, towards the later part of the first round you know we also have the Clippers pick which we should thank your Timberwolves for beating the Clippers which gave the opportunity for the Pelicans to beat the Clippers which put our pick in the lottery so thank you for that um right now as it stands it's pick 12 odds on it's probably gonna stay pick 12 there is a chance it jumps in top four there's a chance it drops 13 14 but um assuming it's in that 12 range um you know, you talked about Johnny Davis. You know, obviously you have him four, but there's a lot of people that, you know, have him eight. He won't 12. go that high. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that he there's a chance he might fall to 12, or is there any other players that uh, you would like in that range for us? Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up falling to 12. I'm not sure I love that fit, just given how much guard talent you guys yeah. already have. Um, you know, I, I – I think AJ Griffin's a fascinating name. I have no idea where he's going to go. It'll be really interesting to see what the medicals are with mm-hmm. him. Um, Benedict Matherin, you know, I think he was listed at six, seven. I'm not quite sure he's that big. I, I would love Mark Williams at that spot for you guys. Um, and then, you know, even like Usman Jang is someone who had a horrific start to the year where he was like, when I say horrific, it was, horrific yeah um but but then his second half of the year he found his groove and it was some of the most impressive tape of this draft class um so i at six ten with his shooting ability i think he's one of the best passers especially for his position in this class i think there's a legitimate defensive upside there too so 
at, with his size and position, I, I think he would fit really nicely there too. Yeah, and, and I heard in your most recent uh, No Seamless Project it was Rucker, you guys were talking about the international prospects, and you said that after you went back and watched Jang, you wanted to put him in the top ten, but you wanted you know you know the whole you know the whole season counts, and he did start off rough, but we haven't got really into Jang a lot in this podcast, ironically with the four sets of guests we've had. So like, uh, t- talk a little bit about what you could offer your team, and you know how you can kind of fit with the Thunder. Yeah, and so he's currently listed at like 6'10", 215. So pretty skinny, but he definitely has a frame that can not necessarily bulk up, but add lean muscle Mm -hmm. and functional muscle. Right now, uh, the percentages don't necessarily suggest it, but his shooting mechanics are gorgeous, and I think he has really good touch. So just as an off-ball shooter from the start, uh, once he kind of finds that rhythm and finds that groove, I think it's a – kind of a day one weapon almost. Um, And then his ability to pass at his position is so impressive. It's kind of, it's not, you know, it's giddy esque in the way that it's, he has this extra size and length that allows him to Mm -hmm. deliver passes that other guys can't. It's not as good as giddy. So I'm I'm not trying to to get you too riled up here. Um, But it's that type of thing where it's like, oh, not many other guys can make that pass because they just don't have those measurables. Um, And then defensively, I think he's got really good footwork and he's shown some flashes of some legitimate weak side rim protection. He's just not a very physical player on either end of the floor right now. So, you know, is that because he just lacks some muscle and the strength for it currently, or is it a mindset thing? And I always worry about trying to change a guy's mindset. I think that's a lot harder than necessarily teaching a guy to, you know, a a new dribble combo move or to tighten up his shooting mechanics and stuff like that. So he's still super young. Um, There's still a lot of rawness to his game, but what he showed showed over the last two months is incredibly encouraging for how he could continue to grow over the next, you know, six, seven, eight years. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, like you said, with how young and how raw he is, like that's the type of prospect that we could see Presti grabbing. Like, you know, he's Presti not only drafted Poku, he traded up for Poku. So, it, you know, if there's a GM that would, you know, you know, look at that and kind of, you know, start salivating, it is Presti. Um, but kind of staying in this range, you know, uh, other, you know, players that might be in this range I wanted to ask you about. You know, you mentioned you have Malachi Branham at number eight on your board. And, you know, I've – as another prospect, I've seen him all over the place. I've seen him as high as eight. I've seen him, you know, falling down, you know, towards the end, if not a little, little bit out of the lottery. Um, you know, talk about him a little bit, you know, what he provides to the team. And, you know, is it more more or less like Johnny Davis and, like, you don't really like the fit there because of the guard status, or do you see anything different with Branham? Um, yeah, a, a little bit of that where it's just, I, you know, I'm not sure. I, I love the talent. And at the end of the day with basketball prospects, you, you almost just bet on the talent and worry a little less about the fit, yeah. but if the fit's so bad that the guy's never going to play, it's like, okay, what, like, what, what is the point of this? Um, but Brandon was one of those, you know, over the summer, these high school guys where I was watching, I think one of his teammates or one of his opponents, I'm like, Oh God, this guy looks good. Where's he going? It's like, Oh, okay. Ohio state is like name to keep an eye on. And then he kind of got off to a good start of the season, but it wasn't anything incredible. And then he just kept 
improving exponentially by the game um, and taking on a bigger role and becoming even more effective and, and more dynamic as a scorer that it was impossible to ignore anymore or to just push it off as, Oh, he's a 2023 guy. And and he started off as a lethal off-ball shooter, and he finished the year like that too. I think his shooting mechanics are gorgeous. I would buy him as a day-one shooter. The The real surprise was what he did out of the pick and roll and his ability to get to his spots and pull up. It's kind of a slow release, but it's that similar pull-up game that kind of Johnny Davis has where it's physical, he's quick off the floor, he gets to his spot, and he has that high release that defenders can't, really react to quick enough to get a legit contest on. Um, and then he's got really good touch around the rim. He's not this crafty finisher or, you know, driver or ball handler, but he's really good with his angles on straight line drives and really knows how to use angles at the rim. Um, so he's, he's just really effective there. Um, and, and then similar to Jang, he's just an awesome passer. I would, I would probably put him in the top five, if not, you know, closer to one of, just quality passers in this class. Yeah, I saw uh, – I'm trying to find the tweet. I think uh, – okay, yeah, it was Draft Dummies. He said – he had a tweet earlier that said how it took like 10 games for Branham to really get his feet wet and fully establish himself. And he said if you took out those 10 games, his averages were 17 points per game, four rebounds, 53-43-83 splits with a ridiculous 79% at the rim and 45% for mid-range. So – like, fully just backing up exactly what you're saying. Uh, 94 percentile is pick-and-roll ball handler. So, like, yeah, Brandon, I mean, he's been a guy that's just, like, rocketed up uh, a lot of big boards. And, you know, another guy that's really rocketed up big boards here as late as uh, Dyson Daniels. And I, I, I wanted to ask you, because he's a guy that I'm super high on. Mm-hmm. I think I think Stephen was the culprit that really turned me on to him. He was the first – him and Nate was, like, our first guest when we started draft coverage this year. Um uh, where do you have him there? And, you know, can you see a fit for him on the Thunder or is it more the same with the guards thing? Because he did have that Grossberg, so he could be looking more like a wing, I guess. Yeah, and I, I have Daniels like at 15, but that that 12 to 15 on my board is just really fluid and just, mm-hmm. you know, minuscule differences. I could see him going as high as like six. It wouldn't surprise me if he went that high. Um, there, there's a lot to like about Daniels. He's arguably the best perimeter defender in this class. And if he's the six, eight that people are now reporting him as, um, you know, that that's legit size, legit length and scary defensive versatility. Um, My, my only hangups are on the offensive end. I, I think he's a really good passer where, you know, in the terms of he's decisive, he makes the right read. He, you know, he'll swing the ball. He'll, run a solid two-man game, but I don't think he's necessarily a playmaker where he's passing guys open or manipulating defenses or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I struggle to see how he scores effectively at the next level too, because the, the set shot, like when he's spotting up, I, I think it's legitimate and I buy the shot well, like long, long-term. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really slow right now. It looks like he's running through a checklist as he's going through a shot and he's just not a threat off the dribble. Um, and so like that, that, that's really concerning for me. 
And then he's, he's a good finisher at the rim, but he doesn't have the craft or kind of creativity there. It's all, you know, point A to point B, it's all straight line. And the size will help that they'll make it a little more easy. It'll make it a little more viable, but against bigger, more athletic defenders on a more consistent basis. I'm not sure how, how much he can really utilize that to be a primary guy, um, on a nightly basis. So I, I definitely think there's a lot to like there. I think I'm just kind of, I, I, t- I think I'm nitpicking some of his flaws a little more than some of the other guys that know ceilings because they are guys who are, you know, flirting with him top five. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, before we move into later rounds, I did want to ask you about a guy that you said you absolutely adore. That's Mark Williams. You said you would love him, love for him to fall to us here at 12. So, Kind of talk about, you know, what he brings and how how he could really fit with the Thunder. Mark Williams is the most day one ready center in this class. Um, and when in terms of rim protection, he's right up there with the best of them. Um, that, you know, I, I know Kessler's shot blocking numbers were historic this year, but I I think Mark and Chet are probably better rim protectors. Uh, I think they're better with verticality. Uh, They're better moving their feet. I I really like the way Mark uh, defends and moves in the pick and roll. I think you can use a different or a variety of coverages with him. Uh, You you can have him show high at times or play drop. Uh, I think he's really good with his rotations and timing and just overall defensive discipline. And then, you know, once that ball turns over, he's regularly the first one down the court. Um, there, there are very few centers who run the floor like him in college or who ran the floor like he did in college this year. And it, it he's just incredibly low maintenance on offense where he's going to run the floor. He's going to post up, he'll box out, he'll screen, he'll catch any, crappy lob that you throw at him and then he'll dunk everything um i I think i saw somewhere earlier this year that he has almost a seven seven wingspan he's got great hands the the length the low maintenance like he's not going to be one of these guys where you know he's demanding post-ups and trying to back down a guy for 10 seconds and wasting the entire possession it's he's screening he's rolling he's getting offensive rebounds he's mucking it up doing the dirty work that leads to winning basketball Incurring debt is one of the staples of adulthood. Believe me, I know. You know, from the start of, you know, going to college, moving out of your house, starting your own family, um, all that leads to incurring debt. Um, And paying down debt can be very stressful, you know, because basically everything has to go right. You have to find other forms of income, other flows of income uh, to try to go ahead and and, and bring that down. and it's very difficult to do. You know, you, you sometimes you start to juggle multiple credit cards, multiple payment dates, um, and it can be very arduous. Uh, but if you're tired of juggling due dates, consolidating with a personal loan could be your answer. Uh, that way you'll have one, just one due date a month, and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you. Uh, so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval, so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free. 
It won't affect your credit scores, and you could save money in the process. Are you ready to apply? Head over to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. Sounds to me like we should just get both of the Duke front court guys and call it a day, right? Um, (laughs) You could do a lot, a lot worse than that. um, But Presti won't have to call it a day because we also have more draft capital. Um, So we've got picks 30 and 34. Who do you like in that range, either as a best fit or just like a home run swing uh, Mm -hmm. for upside in that range? Oh boy. Um, so I, I, I think guys or centers like Christian Coloco or Walker Kessler or even Ishmael Kamagate um, are, are names to kind of look at in, their, in that range. I think it'll be really interesting to see where they go uh, for pure home run swings. Um, I definitely think Bryce McGowan's is a yeah. name in that range for me. I kind of think he goes earlier than that um i'm assuming he's going to be one of these guys that just absolutely you know wows nba front offices and open open gyms with his athleticism and just kind of raw scoring ability um let's see i mean even a guy like peyton watson um is probably the ultimate home run swing in this class his high school tape was a lot more impressive because he actually got to play um, unlike at UCLA, but I, I think he's one of the most versatile defenders in this class. I think he's a, a scary good rim protector too. Um, and then I think he's got a lot more passing ability than he was allowed to show because he just wasn't allowed to play at UCLA. Um, but question with him is, is he ever going to be able to score? And that's a big if. Um, but then, you know, another guy is kind of Blake Wesley, at least for me, I'm a lot lower on him than most. I'm seeing him more closer to the lottery now. Um, So he's probably another name that I wouldn't expect to be there. So follow up on that. Uh, Two guys that I've seen a huge range from where they could get drafted. Uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Jaden Hardy. Both guys really had a lot of hype coming into the season. Didn't perform up to what everybody thought that they would. And so do people, do you see them um, like, where do you see them being drafted as far as like range goes? And really like, what does your gut tell you about their potential as NBA players? I would expect they get drafted in like the second half of the first round. Um, You know, I, a lot of mocks are even having them fall out of this, the first, which I I don't really get at all. Um, I'll, I'll start with Baldwin. I, his situation could not have been worse. Um, I, I love mm-hmm. the idea of staying at home and playing for your dad, but it was very clearly the wrong decision. Um, the The tape is brutal. The shooting numbers are brutal. I, I would be shocked if he's not a really good shooter at the next level. I think his mechanics at his size are, are they're too good. They're too consistent for that shooting not to come around. And then I, I was really impressed with just his basketball IQ in terms of making the extra pass, moving the ball, uh, relocating off ball and 
just his team defense. So I, the, the tape, you know, is if you look only at the tape, it's, it's brutal. And um, that's not a first round guy, but I, I think there's more to it. And when you factor in context and situation where he had some of the worst guard play in the country and his guards would just look him off while he's standing there wide open in the corner and then go the opposite direction is like, okay, that's not ideal. Um, so I, I, I definitely think he could be one of the biggest steals from this draft, depending on where he goes. And then Jaden Hardy, I never got some of the top five buzz guys like Corey and Rucker were pushing that at the start of the year. Um, and this similar to Jang Hardy got off to a really rough start, but he went straight from high school to playing against grown men and pros. There was a huge learning curve. And I think he really started to figure it out. They threw him into the deep end and he, he started to slowly learn how to swim. Uh, I buy the shooting long-term. I was super impressed with the off ball shooting in particular. He moves really well off ball, especially running off screens and, as the season progressed, showed an awesome job of kind of varying up his looks when he ran off screens. Sometimes he would sink into the corner and knock down a catch and shoot three. Other times he would curl off and immediately attack downhill. Um, and then his passing improved a lot too. I don't think he'll ever be a point guard by any means, but he runs a nice two man game. Um, and then the, and the defense is what it is. It's not good, but you know, I, I would take, I would probably take both those guys on the top 20 still because I, I think the raw ability is there for both of them. And then Hardy, it's just meaningful improvements throughout the year because the, the, the G league's not the, the night program's not there to highlight what these guys already do. Well, they're there to challenge them and actually develop skills that they'll need to succeed at the next level. And as the season progressed, I, I think Hardy showed meaningful steps in that direction. Yeah, you know, kind of depending on what happens, like with our pick at the top of the draft, uh, assuming our pick's closer to the top of the draft and the Clippers stays put, I honestly wouldn't be opposed or surprised if Presti took Patrick Baldwin Jr. at, like, the 12th, just because, like, everything you said, like, without – like, all the tools with him possibly being a steal – uh, basketball IQ, which is something that, you know, Presti seemed to have really valued as of late um, in his past couple of drafts. And, uh, you know, Corey was the one that kind of, you know, put that in my mind, you know, about like Zaire Williams was considered a reach last year, like going number 10 from the Grizzlies. But he was a guy that had high pedigree coming out of high school, went to a messed up situation in college, you know, things didn't go good for him. And then he came into the league and was able to contribute immediately. I'm not saying PBJ is going to come in and contribute immediately to the Thunder, mm-hmm. but, you know, he could be that, you know, a, one of those, like, connected tissue type of players. So, like, at the very least, like, a guy that's going to provide spacing, much needed spacing for Shea and Giddy. So, I I wouldn't be mad if we took him at 12. Um, how, how do you feel about him going that high? Yeah, and I, I don't hate that. So, my biggest takeaway from Baldwin's season is that, now we know he's not a number one guy and he's not a primary option. And I I think that's fine. And if you view him in that light, I think it really changes your perception of him because coming into the season, he was, you know, Oh, is this the next six, nine primary scoring guy, the the next Jason Tatum. And it's like, Oh, okay. No, he's not. Okay, cool. 
what if he's your third option? What if he's spotting up in the corner? What if he's running off screens? What if he's the guy making the extra pass and then playing good, good, you know, weak side defense, then it's like, okay, this is a really good role player. This is that three and D guy that every rotation wants and every rotation needs. And if the shot really does come along, like a lot of people think, or at least hope it will, you know, then you're talking about a six, nine guy, hitting 40% of his threes and playing smart ball on both ends of the floor. So that's kind of the prism that I view Baldwin through now, but you know, so much of the draft is, you know, being enticed by the unknown and what could be. And then once we really figure out what a guy can't do, it completely turns people off while, you know, they still hope on something from another prospect that they really haven't seen anything more of than just flashes. And talk about flashes and, you know, like what a player can and can't do. I do want to ask you about this. You know, we talked about last year's draft class, talked a little bit about Shea. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your feelings on Alexa Pokashevsky? Because I haven't got to ask a lot of the New Zealand's guys. And I know he's a very polarizing player, not just in the draft community, but also Thunder community. So, like, whatever you say, it's not a wrong answer. Your face when he asked that question <laughs> says everything I need to know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, does anyone know? I, I feel like the Thunder <laughs> still don't know. Um, he, he, he was a guy that I had no idea what to do with Eval, and I just kind of threw him in the middle of the first round. It's like, I would be fine as taking, or I'd be fine taking this lottery ticket here. It, it's tough because the, when it, like it clicks and what like the highlights, it's like, Oh, okay. There it is. Um, And then the next play, he's throwing it into the upper deck on a skip pass. And it's like, what was that Alexi? (laughs) Like, what are you, what are you doing? Um, So it it seems like the game is still like really fast for him mentally, um, which I don't think should be surprising given the league that he came out of, Mm -hmm. but he's clearly talented. I just, I still have no idea what he's going to be or what he is. Yeah, that's that's very fair. We we still don't really know either. Obviously, <laughs> um, I I was I was very against the pick when we made it. I understood why we did it, but like I, I still didn't like it. And uh, I do think it's kind of suspect that it takes a trip to the G League for Poku to come back and actually play like good basketball every year. So, you know, maybe we should start off this year by sending to G League and see what can happen. But now, anyways, man, you know, kind of getting back into the draft. Um, so, assuming our picks stay uh, where they are, I, I ask everybody this. Uh, everybody really, really loves the chance to do this. I guess get to kind of play G- GM here. So, mm-hmm. assuming our picks stay 4, 12, and 30, um, that's where our odds are. What are What is or what are some fun player combinations that you would like to see us get? Yeah, so with the first two at four – and 12 you said right mm-hmm. um i i just i love the shade and sharp mark williams combo there um i i think you get need and then i think you get obscene upside um i i i really do think sharp could go as high as i i, I think he could be like the one player that could really disrupt the what's viewed as like that consensus top four with Chet Jabari, Paolo and Ivy. Um, I, I think Shaden has a legit shot to break into that grouping. Um, the off ball scoring, the on ball creation, the athleticism is incredible. He's one of the worst defenders in this class, which isn't great, but <laughs> the, 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 the offensive upside is absurd and pairing that off ball scoring with 
Giddy and Shay, I think would be a lot of fun, especially long-term. And then just, you know, I, I gave my Mark Williams diatribe earlier, um, but he, he's just one of those guys that produces winning basketball. Um, oh God, at, at 30, that it's tough. I'm the, the, my issue with this draft is that like 25 to 45 is really fluid for me. Mm -hmm. Um, even a guy like Jake Laravia from Wake Forest, a power forward there, really skilled, versatile, um, for, I think would be, you know, add fit and someone who could kind of help produce winning basketball, right away i like that fit a lot Uh, or even a guy like justin lewis um i worry a little bit about his defense but the offensive skills are there um so i that there's definitely a lot to like with him as well and i know some people even have him higher closer to 20. you know kind of going back to the first name you said shaden sharp uh and I've, i've asked everybody i can this because there's so many differing opinions about it if, if you like the guy, everybody's like, what what do you like, his high school film? And if you don't like the guy, like, are you blind? Like, do you watch basketball? So, like, kind of walk us through, like, I guess what it is you see in Sharp. You know, you mentioned, like, you know, some of the things, like, kind of in a vacuum. But, like, how could you see him working w- with the Thunder, I guess, specifically? I mean, for starters, he's a freak athlete. There is that one vertical jump video that came out uh, or that max vert video um, that I think was like 48 inches. Uh, I, th- you know, I think it's 49 it, is what the 49. thing said. Do you believe yeah. that? Do you think like he's just kind of. <laughs> uh, I'll believe it if he does it at the combine, Yeah, but I, you know, I, I think there, there's some standing reach manipulation that, that, that could easily be going on there uh, by, by not fully extending or shrugging his shoulders or whatever. Um, but even if it's 47, okay, like whatever, you're still yeah. a freak athlete. Um, I don't think his athleticism is quite as functional, like in the half court setting as yeah. others do. Um, like he, he's not, I don't, he doesn't have that first step of Anthony Edwards or Jalen green. He's not that bursty, but that vertical pop on lobs or in transition is really incredible. Um, and then he's an awesome off-ball shooter and mover. So he, he re- relocates really well. He's a really good cutter. I, I think he's going to be a really, really good shooter in the long term. Um, and there, there are signs of good on-ball creation. I don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's going to be there for you know a, a couple of years. But he's trying stuff. He's starting to kind of string together combo moves. Um, but it's all very predetermined. And it's not intuitive and just natural for him yet, but he's working on it and the shooting is really consistent. And it's the exact same mechanics, whether off the catch um, or off the dribble. So I, I, I think the, the, there's definitely like offensive all-star upside with him. And mm-hmm. if you're picking at four and you can get a wing with that, I, I, I don't hate taking that swing. So you just mentioned the combine and the list. I think it came out either today or it came out mm-hmm. yesterday for official participants. Who do you see helping themselves the most with their draft stock through the combine? Maybe somebody that's like a little under the radar or not getting as much buzz that, you know, here in a couple of weeks, people are going to really be talking about them. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think Usman Jang is definitely a kind of na- name that will help him 
himself, um, especially if that the, the the shooting and the measurables all look really good, like they did at, at the uh, back half of the season. Um, and then I believe Bryce McGowan's, yeah, I think Bryce McGowan's is going to look like a monster. Uh, really good size, good frame to add weight. I think he will thrive in that kind of pickup setting. If the shot is falling in drills, he's going to look even better. My only hesitation with him is I, I don't think the defense is that good, but, and, you know, just how does he kind of implement the decision-making and all that into actual, you know, legitimate games, you know, fortunately for him that the combine doesn't really reflect that it's more pickup style. So I, yeah. I do think he will really, really thrive there. Um, and then Blake Wesley too, if, if his shot is falling, um, I don't really like his shot at all. The, the foreign looks, it's like a snowflake where it looks different every <laughs> single time, but that's amazing. It, but if it's falling, like it was in that Georgetown game where I think he hit like seven or eight threes, if it's falling in the scrimmages, he's, he's a really good athlete, really good ball handler and kind of space creator. And then if that shot's falling front offices are probably going to start drooling over him. I, I, I love the, the naming of the snowflake for different jump shot every time I, I'm going to start using that for Lou door. We, we it's have one. That's yeah. great. <laughs> um, all right. Well, one of the last questions I got here before we get into our rapid fire game, uh, I, you know, I mentioned this in the intro, you guys talked about him a lot and your all's most recent, no seamless by Gabriel Prashida. Uh, I know you're an enthusiast. I know you got him higher than most of the guys in no ceilings. Uh, talk about what you like about him in a prospect and, uh, could you see him fitting with the thunder? Um, potentially as like a stash guy. Uh, so I, now, yeah, so I, I have him at like 20, which is significantly higher than any mock draft you'll see and higher than most guys, even at no ceilings, even though we seem to be higher on him than consensus. Mm-hmm. He, he's a lethal off ball shooter. His shooting stroke is absolutely gorgeous. Um, I love his, his footwork and how he gets to his shots, the way he moves off ball. It's not reflective of a 19 or 20 year old it's seasoned. And then he uses that to leverage different scoring opportunities. He's, he's going to get labeled with sneaky athlete because he's from Europe and he's white he's not a sneaky athlete. He's got legit vertical pop and he will dunk on guys and transition in half court. Um, and then, you know, just my, my favorite play or one of my favorite plays from any prospect in this draft is, is the play I outlined. Um, I believe on the pod where mm-hmm. he runs off a baseline screen curl. He see, senses his defender going over the screen. So he sinks back to the corner. He uses a shot fake on the help defender who's closing out on him, snakes his way to the middle of the lane, plants with his right foot, and then launches back about five feet um, into a fadeaway jumper behind the free throw line and just drains it. And just that that combination of ball handling, spatial awareness, um, explosiveness, the way he generates power out of just a single plant leg is incredibly impressive. Um, it's, It's a lot of he reminds me a lot of Bogdan Bogdanovich or Desmond Bain where these lethal shooters who have some on ball creation to them um, and aren't going to kill you defensively. I don't think he's ever going to be an awesome defender, but Mm -hmm. there's enough care and effort and size there where he's not going to get take, you know, abused or embarrassed or played off the floor or anything. Yeah. I'm going to need somebody in those things to clip that 
that clip and put it on Twitter just so I can like witness it because you know the I, way I have it somewhere I'll 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 find it and send it to you. Absolutely, I need to see that because the way you described it, like I mean, it, it just sounds like poetry motion. So I gotta see it. But yeah, man, um, he, he's been a guy that's kind of been on my radar for a while. Um, Nate actually mentioned to him to me like I want to say like in December, and he was like, you know, he's the guy to keep your eye on. And obviously, he's been rising up the boards ever since then. You know, not not quite twenty like, like you have him, but you know, everybody said that you're higher on him than most. And I mean based on what everybody's saying, like, I don't see why you wouldn't be high on the guy. If you've got a, like a guy that can be a pure, pure shooter, shooter off the ball, uh, freakish athleticism. And, uh, you know, based on what record was saying, like he's a dog too. Like not only yeah. is he dunking on dudes, like he's going to stare you down afterwards. I'm like, you know, we love that in Oklahoma city. We had, you know, over a decade of Russell Westbrook. So love that kind of energy. Um, so, last question I got before we get into the rapid fire round. If I were to ask you to give a bold prediction about the Thunder draft, what would it be? Oh, um, oh boy. So, I is this assuming they kind of stay where they are? Uh, it can or it cannot. It's it's whatever you want to do, man. It's a bold prediction. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, did, 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 does Shade and Sharp at four count as bold? Or is that is that too mild? Um, I'd say it's pretty consensus right now amongst most Thunder fans. That's who we want outside of the big three. Okay, um, screw it. I'll I'll, I'll go Boulder. Um, I'm I'm sure Rucker tried to pitch Keegan Murray. I'm I'm not gonna do that to you guys. Um, yeah, I, I'll go. I'll get real weird and go Usman Jang at four or with their first pick. Okay, yeah, that that is bold. I like it though. We live for the bold, man. All right, Usman Jang. Keep so, so can, can I throw a question at you guys? Can I, can I turn this around a little bit on you? Absolutely, I love it. My how the so, tables. <laughs> so, can I just get your guys's ideal or preferred outcome of who your first round pick should be? Oh man, yes. Yeah, that's, that's like if if it was gonna stay four and twelve. Um, I did an article uh, this this over this weekend for Boomtown Hoops, who I write for, um, and I did a few tankathon sims and just like you know, kind of place them where every player would go in like ideal situations. And something I said is like, what I said to you, you know, if our first pick, I think if it ends up like being like a safe, like a solid pick, I think you can afford to take kind of a swing at the second one. Whereas if you take a swing at the first one, say you take a swing at Shaden Sharp, like it makes more sense to fortify it with a safer pick like a Mark Williams at the end. So I, I, I honestly, I love the Shaden Sharp Mark Williams combo. I think that's a lot of fun. Uh, I think the idea of Chet and Dyson Daniels is a lot of fun, um, specifically defensively, like just yeah. carrying those guys with Lou Dort would be just extremely wild. Um, Moles, what about you, man? What, what, what are you thinking? Uh, well, one easily we're not i don't see us taking four guys in this draft we're probably going to package 30 and 34 and move up um if we get two good picks uh for where we want early we're probably going to shoot up into that like 25 range and try to just make sure we nab our guy um at four and 12 i do like sharp uh a ton but if we start you know getting into like the sixth range like i i'm on the keegan murray train 
I really like his game. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't hate it. My gut tells me the Clippers pick moves up and the Thunders pick moves down. So I'm, I'm at four and six. So a sharp Murray combo would just be like banana sandwich for me. Um, but I, I honestly could see Presti regardless, kind of looking to be aggressive and move up with that second first round pick um, and even packaging 30 and 34 together. And um, kind of my bold hot take, if you will, is that if Lou Dort has to be dangled to get it done, I, I think Presti strongly considers it. Um, yeah. But my dream, my dream scenario uh, to throw it at the, the down to dunk folks is four and six and getting sharp and Keegan Murray. Yeah. And if we got, if we got sharp and Murray, like at four and six, like a guy that I would like, it would be Ishmael Kamagate in the back end, just cause like, yeah, you know, I've said it every time, like Rafael Barlow hypes him up anytime he talks about him, how he, you know, he, he sunned Wimby the two times that he played him. I mean, I can't get that out of my mind, but also like hearing what you guys said about him in the last podcast, like just how athletic he is, the motor he has. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a huge motor, like hard work guy. Like if you have a huge motor or you're a hard worker, like I'm automatically going to like fall in love with you. And you know, his measurables and everything like that, I think that he could really thrive, at, you know, playing next to guys like Gideon Shea. And obviously, if we don't get a Mark Williams, Jalen Duran, you know, one of the big three, like we still have a hole at center. We can't play Isaiah Roby, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl all year at the center spot. So I'd love to see Kamigate there with that package. Yeah, and he he's he's fascinating, and that there are definitely a lot of people who are even higher on him. Um, so the I, I threw out Jang as the hot take. Uh, the other name I was looking at was Jalen Duran. You kind of just mentioned him in passing there. Mm-hmm. What if what if he was was your first pick at four? Let's say. <sighs> See, I would understand it. Yeah. You know, same thing with Poku. Like I would understand it if he was to pick at four, but like yeah. it, it feels safe. You know, like I, obviously, like you need players like Duran. You need a guy that can obviously build like a truck set really strong good strong screens yeah, he could give you vertical spacing for you know Shane and giddy on in the pick and roll provide good defense i i think that he could be like a robert williams type guy defensively and stuff like that but something that like i've i've really just emphasized like i guess in like my evaluation process is i really just want shooting all over the floor with Shane and giddy as much as i can yeah. because uh, you know i mean Shay doing what he's doing with his little spacing as he's, as he has, is kind of ridiculous and like, isn't getting enough attention. And so I just want to give that guy all the room that he could have to like really just show, you know, the league what he's got. So, you know, if we got Duran at four, you know, I'd scratch my head a little bit, but you know, at the same time, Maddie's wearing the shirt, trust the Presti. We did not trust the Presti last year and it came back to bite us. So I'm going to trust the Presti on Duran, but, you know, I there will always be the what if, especially if Shaden Sharp turns into this generational player. Right, for sure. Some of us uh, may have said some expletives after the giddy pick happened. <laughs> I, I would imagine that a lot of expletives would be said if Duran was, <laughs> and with the fourth pick in the draft, the Oklahoma City Thunder select. Yeah, if, if, if it goes Duran there at four, 
it, it it'll be trust the presty but it'll be like damn like that dude better like set the best screens in the history of screens like to get <laughs> giddy and to get shay off he better rim run and like grab the ball at the top of the backboard to slam it home like shack against portland like i need to see like all of that out of him at four i i get i would feel like i felt when the and i know this is like they're not the same player but like when the the Pelicans took Jackson Hayes, like they traded sure. down and they took Hayes and they they had a chance to add another really great player mm-hmm. to that. I was like, mm, that feels yeah. that, that feels like real vanilla to me, and like you you weren't really shooting the upside, so I'd feel the same way. But at the same time, like you know, like I was saying, if we take Duran, like I feel like it's a safe pick, so. I'm looking for a swing at 12. I'm looking for Usman Zhang. I'm looking for Patrick Baldwin Jr. I'm looking for, you know, somebody like that. And if we take two safe picks, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit saucy. <laughs> yeah, no, the, like w- whenever we do mocks or anything, um, it, it's always interesting how those Thunder picks fall because we, we always end up falling in some form or fashion with, all right, are we going safe and then swing or swing and then safe? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would be surprised if it didn't play out it something like that or you know even just two huge swings yeah so what does that look like to you two huge swings at four and 12 um you know probably sharp at four and baldwin at 12 maybe even yes yeah yeah because um probably baldwin or Jang at 12 but i i, I almost think Jang goes ends up going higher than that um a, a, aj griffin is another one where i have no idea where he's gonna fall but he's got a freakish amount of upside um to his game so mm-hmm. he he's definitely another guy that should should be at the top of that list for for swings um and at the very least you're getting a, a elite off-ball shooter yeah, AJ Griffin's a guy that you know we've all had really high all year. But you know, as as talking to all, you know all the draft evaluators, like you know the the loss in athleticism is like a legitimate like fear <laughs> that like has crept into my mind. And you know he was billed as like this elite defender, but you know after you like dive into the tape, he's he's not. That's so right. it's like a three and D without the D. <laughs> Yeah, and it'll it'll be interesting to see what he is as an on-ball scorer because I think he has some real legit like lateral shiftiness. Um, I, th- I think the vertical pop has underwhelmed a lot, and mm-hmm. that's where the medical will be really interesting with him. Um, but he wasn't really allowed to show anything on ball. So is it yep. he wasn't allowed to because Duke didn't want him to, or was he not allowed to because he couldn't? Um, so it, it's that hole is, you know, is the grass really that, that much greener on the other side conundrum? Um, I, I lean towards him having a little more on ball juice than he was allowed to show because in that wake for, I, I think it was the wake for their, for, the first wake forest game, excuse me, um, mm-hmm. where coach K was out and Shire was coaching. He had some nasty step backs and pull-ups and I, I highly recommend going back and watching that game because they were they were like three or four pull-up fadeaways, step-back jumpers, where it's like, oh, where has that been all yeah. season? And then, you know, a month later, it's like, wait, what happened to that guy? I want yeah. more of that. So, 
Yeah, that's another thing that really bothered me is he seemed to fade in the postseason. Like that, that historic shooting. Like where was? This? Yeah, yeah, um, it's it, it's tough. All right, man. Well, hey, we're gonna get into the rapid fire segment. This is, uh, you know, I I didn't, you know, give you the cheat sheet for it, and I just told <laughs> you kind of what the categories were. Um, so we got uh, overrated, underrated, superlatives, and start bench cut. So starting off, overrated, over overrated underrated and uh if you don't feel comfortable with the term overrated i guess you can you know you, you can use it however you want to um you know j- just the prospect that you think is underrated or maybe getting a little bit too much love we'll say that instead of overrated um so too too much love first yeah that's fine oh god um this is tough because I, I, I like this guy a lot. I have him at five, but I think Jaden Ivey's getting to the point where he's becoming overrated. Okay. I can definitely see that. All right. And uh, underrated. I got to go with my guy, Johnny Davis. I, I, I keep seeing people bump him even out of the lottery at this point. It's don't get it. I hit. If it makes you feel any better, he's in my top 10. After okay. after hearing what all you guys say, so <laughs> and the, you know my, my big board's fluid up until the draft time. So absolutely, all right, man. Superlatives: the best shooter in this draft class. Uh, Jabari Smith. Okay, best athlete in the draft class. Uh, oh boy, um, Jaden Ivy. Okay. Best defender in the draft class. This could be perimeter, interior, overall, team defender, whatever you want. Dyson Daniels. I like it. I like it. All right. Deepest bag in the draft class. Oh, boy. Um, oh, God. This is always the one we get hang up on. <laughs> There's no Cam he- Thomas from last year. No, there's no Trey Mann even. Yeah. Um, God, God, he was nasty last year or F, that year of Florida. Um, no, God, I, God, I don't want to say Blake Wesley. Um, <laughs> Blake Wesley's probably close. I, I'm going to go with Paulo. Okay. I like that. Uh, all right. Highest floor in the draft. Sorry. Okay. And last one, best passer in this class. Oh, that's a shame my boy Taron Armstrong dropped out. Um, sorry, I know silence is bad for audio. I'm killing it. Uh, no, you're fine, man. Alondis Williams. Yeah, that's that's been a couple people's answers, so that's consistent. All right, man, getting into the much maligned start bench cut. You know, this is a popular discussion in all of basketball, so we're going to make it to the draft here. So, uh, athletic wings, we got Shaden Sharp, A.J. Griffin, and Benedict Matherin. Um, I'm going – oh, God. I'm going to start Matherin. We talk about today or long term? We've never established that. I, I, right, uh, I guess uh, today. Okay, yeah. I, I, I'm ruining the segment. I'm killing it's it. It's all good. Uh, M- M- Matherin, start, sit, 
AJ and bench Shaden just because I think I, I think Shaden's still probably the farthest off from being today ready. Yep, that's fair. And that's why he's all the more appealing to the Thunder, so we can be in play for Wimby next year. All right, uh, big man. So we got Walker Kessler, Christian Coloco, and Ishmael Kamagate. Uh, Stark Coloco. Sid Kamagate, Bench, Walker Kessler. Okay. Uh, international wings. Uh, Usman Zhang, Dyson Daniels, Nikola Jokic. Uh, Start Jang, sit Daniels, bench Jovic. I feel like the bench Jovic was pretty easy for you. There. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, Je- God, I almost said Jeremy Eason. Tari Eason, <laughs> EJ Liddell, Jeremy Sohan. Um, I'm going to start Liddell, sit Sohan, and bench Tari all right, I, I keep calling him Sohan, so I apologize for that, Jeremy Sohan. I, 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 I've heard it pronounced a million ways or a million times each way, so I, I have no idea. And un, until it, – it, it's on him to, to provide clarification. Yeah, somebody's Until then, we continue right. screwing it up. There you go. Um, all right, uh, veteran wing players uh, or guards, I guess, my bad. Uh, just veteran players. Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray, Ochai Abaji. I think I know who you're starting here. I'm starting Johnny. <laughs> oh God! Now, now, now you're really playing. You're pinning my heart and my head against each other. <laughs> um, God, I really want to say Sid Ochai. I love him so much. I, I got sit Keegan and then bench Ochai. Okay. And uh, last but not least, we got our shooting bracket: Patrick Baldwin Jr., Christian Brown. And Gabriel Perchita. Uh, as of today, uh, start Perchita, sit Brown, bench Baldwin. All right. I like it. Uh, I'm not going to lie. There were some guys that thought that last one was going to tear you up a little bit, but you, you ripped right through it like it was nothing. So credit to you on that, man. But uh, Tyler, man, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on. You know, like I said, it's it's been a pleasure you know, having – all the No Ones Collective on here, uh, I really enjoy listening to you. Uh, I was saying before the pod, I really enjoy listening to you and Rucker go back and forth on a No Ones pod. Um, definitely going to dive into your podcast and the hashtag basketball. And going to ask for that name. I'm asking for you to plug all your stuff right now, man. Anything you want to plug, just uh, go on. Hi, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is a lot of fun and really, really appreciate the love you've shown. Shown us over at No Ceilings. Um, that's where you can find all of our written work, noceilingsnba.com. Feel free to hit that sub- subscribe button. It's 100% free. It gets delivered directly to your inbox. No excuse not to. Uh, no Ceilings NBA Draft Podcast, uh, also free. Um, I, you can find that on Apple or Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at No Ceilings NBA, YouTube, No Ceilings TV. Uh, please hit subscribe over there as well. We've got a lot of cool video stuff. Um, up already and coming in the future and then you can also follow me on twitter at tmetcalf11 now you, you also do another podcast with uh, hashtag basketball am, am i wrong on that yeah no me uh me and nick agar johnson do nba deep dives thank you for reminding me every tuesday um that that, that one's a little more player focused where we dive into bit, almost 
one or two um, specific players every week and just kind of break down their game. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to add that one to my collection. I'm, I'm diving into, I listen to like 10, 11 podcasts a day. I'm one of those weirdos that listen yeah, at like not, 1.9 same, speed. Same. So just, th- I, I just throw it on two and let, let it run while I'm working. I like it. That's all I do. Yeah. We're, we're going to have Nick on here in a few weeks too. So Love uh, it. keep the good times rolling in, but yeah, like I said, man, definitely appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely have you on in the future if you're willing to come on and uh, yeah, man. So Appreciate you for coming on. Appreciate you guys for listening and for the support. Hope you all have a great night. God bless. Hoop when you can. And as always, thunder up. Thunder up. Oh, Tower, you could do it. Oh, thunder up. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't always tell everybody. I just see if they do. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.